Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, the weekly fanbyte news show rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I am your host, John Warren. This week, I take a look at the details coming out of BlizzCon Line and the most credible rumors yet that we may see a Silent Hill reboot sooner than later. But first, I sat down with fanbyte.com news editor Imran Khan to discuss the top story of the week, Nintendo's first direct showcase in 18 months. My guest this week is not a guest at all, actually, anymore. I think you'll be seeing a lot of him on this show and elsewhere on the Fanbyte Network. Uh, here to discuss the Nintendo Direct is our brand new news editor, Imran Khan. Hi, Imran. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am doing well. I'm excited to actually come here as not a guest. for the- Yeah. For, yeah. It's weird. I mean, the more people we pull into our, our, little, our little fold, it is... Uh, I don't know. It's very it's it's very cool, but it's very bizarre to have these people who were uh, very much guests just kind of like come in. It's just really yeah. nice. It's I feel nice. like I've Pokemon evolved to like the next. Yeah, it's like okay. it went from guest to like not a guest, like all one word. Right. Yeah. Not a guest. That's that's basically <laughs> how we should talk. Uh, refer to ourselves. Um, we've had uh, just just to part the curtain. I know this this show goes up on Friday afternoons. We've had about I don't know eighteen hours or so to sit on the Nintendo Direct that we saw on Wednesday afternoon. So I thought it'd be appropriate to you know talk about uh, our feelings about it after we've slept on it. Um, I guess overall, what did you think about the direct? I feel like it was a good direct. It was. And this is perhaps no fault of its own. It is a not kind of a disappointment after 500 plus days of <laughs> waiting for something like this. And it's not like they've been, it's not, a, it hasn't been a news desert. They've supplied information. It's just like, this is kind of Frankenstein being killed by his own monster kind of thing. <laughs> of, they created this situation where look forward to these events. These events are the thing that brings you hype and news and all that stuff. And then this time it's like, I don't know. Here's, here's, here's like we dipped into an alternate timeline where they've been doing this entire time. And like, this is what we're, this feels like a normal direct and not like a return to form necessarily. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it was, it was an indication to me that, and we will go over some of the big games here, but it was an indication to me that like there may not be a massive release on the schedule for 2021. It gave me the impression that actually w- the game that just came out, Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, might be one of their biggest releases. I mean, it might be it. Um, there are a couple of, of other pretty big games we can talk about, but that was... Maybe a little bit surprising, but I think the COVID stuff has been maybe a bigger deal. I mean, they led with that message about COVID kind of like knocking some stuff out of its original window. So, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of strange after, like you said, about 500 days of not having a huge one, even though they did have a lot of fragmented smaller ones uh, throughout 2020. But, um, yeah, it was kind of strange. Um, Yeah, I think I think COVID is like is effect. Nintendo gave a at a uh, financial uh, Q&A not too long ago, they yeah. gave a thing saying like, yeah, COVID's not affected us at all. And I think that was a very bad answer because it very <laughs> clearly affected answer. them. <laughs> and like, it's weird they're so hesitant to say like, oh yeah, work from home has been a mess. Like, mm-hmm. 
I I imagine that Nintendo, a very secure company and a very like he- company that's very hesitant to give out too much information, has had a tough time with trying to get everyone to work from home and like sign NDAs and perhaps bring home dev kits and things like that. I I would bet the fact that like. Oh, and Uma came out there saying like, hey, we have no Breath of the Wild 2 information right now, but maybe this year is like a sign things are, COVID yeah. is affecting things more than they think. And yeah. I, I think it would be better for them to just kind of say beyond that one message and with that uh, that one financial Q&A answer in mind, like, yeah, no, things have been rough and yeah. we're trying our best, but this is not, it's difficult in Japan in the first place and it's like difficult worldwide and we're not dealing with it as well as we hoped. And I guess from an investor perspective, that's probably a bad idea. But it does, I think it would engender more sympathy for them and their, I guess, kind of anemic schedule right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just funny because, I mean, you know, if if folks, I mean, obviously you and I and and folks in the industry pay more attention to it than maybe the the average person. But like, we're looking around at like, okay, well, Final Fantasy XIV just moved their their expansion out of their typical summer window and into fall. Um, we already are aware of like a lot of these Japanese studios having major issues with this stuff. It's like, we know what's going on. I mean, this is not, this is not an easy situation. And it's actually like, if you're ever going to be honest about delays and stuff, this is the time to do it. Like, just be like, yeah. things are really hard and it's unprecedented stuff. And yeah, it's just kind of funny. Um, like it's, it's a lot of everyone hoping this is about to just snap back. Like that, right. like that we're about to like a deep blip from COVID or something to give it in like it, it Marvel terms. Yeah. Like it was weird last year when Insomniac said, oh, Ratchet and Clank will make it in launch window for sure. And then they announced <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, yeah, it's going to be June, which is yeah. like by no definition of launch window. But you can't really get mad of that at that because like, oh, yeah, it's you guys have put out every PS4 game or PS5 game so far. And also like. It's uh, it's understandable that everyone's working from home and fragmented, and this is just a very stressful time. Regardless, yeah. I think it, everyone Nintendo is just kind of hoping that we all understand, which I think we do. But again, if, once you go five hundred days without telling people news, like there's a pent up energy of I just want to see Breath of the Wild two. I want to see yeah. Metroid Prime four. I yeah. know it's probably not ready. Just lie to me and show me something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's start with that. That's a good segue. Uh, We did hear from Zelda Brass uh, that Breath of the Wild 2 news is uh, not here and it won't be here for a while. They did say they would talk about it uh, later in the year, but this was not a huge surprise for me personally, just because I think, you know, we've got our ears to the ground a bit, but a lot of people are super disappointed about it. So how did you feel about no Breath of the Wild 2 news? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of there. Like it's it was not surprising, but it was a little disappointing. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it was like a one-two punch of like <laughs> when you when you see Onoba, you know he's going to talk about Zelda. Sure, so there's like course. a fifty-fifty chance like he's going to either say here's Breath of the Wild two or sorry we got nothing right now, and he right. he chose the the latter one. <laughs> I'm sure when they do show that game, like I'm never going to remember that Onoba just came on the screen to like disappoint me (laughs) but i I do think like it was not a a well thought out thing to go from that to then talk about like what is unfairly or fairly the most maligned zelda or 3d zelda in the last like two decades yeah uh yeah would they it was basically a video to just set up the fact that the skyward sword uh hd remaster is coming to the switch um 
Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, my big stance on this game is uh, the Wii version is, you know, I, I joke about it a lot online and I'm half serious about it. Um, that game really missed a lot of folks because mm-hmm. for me personally, it was uh, difficult to actually like actually swing the sword and do stuff like that's kind of a, an accessibility and, and ableism issue for me. It looks like they've fixed some of it, kind of. Do you want to talk a little bit about what they're doing differently with Skyward Sword? So they, and the way they couch this is hilarious, but like yeah. they've now mapped the the sword swinging to the analog stick, which is the thing everyone just thought they were going to do years ago. And mm-hmm. it's surprising. It, they they kept saying like, we finally figured it out. Like, like they've been trying to crack <laughs> this code for the last eight years or even 10 years. And just like, oh yeah, now we finally figured out we could put the things on the analog stick, which is like, okay, sure. And it doesn't even look like it's particularly... Well, like Skyward Sword, for better or worse, very much wrapped that those motion controls into the design of it the did. game. Yeah, they, and like it's very much into it. It would have been I've I've joked for years about like them fundamentally changing that game to be just a very uh, traditional control scheme, but it is so ingrained in every bit of that game that it would be almost impossible to do. It's yeah, like there's puzzles and like. Even the battle system, I really enjoy that game's battle system. I think that, yeah. like, the motion controls contribute to that. I understand why it's, like, not, you know, it's not good for people who don't have the the capability to play that way. But, like, it's it was very fun when it worked. And I, I don't know how – if you're going to use an analog stick for that stuff, it's going to be a lot slower. Cause, like, right. it's going to be – uh, you need to rebalance things like cert- like the boss, final boss fight, the fight against the pirate mm, king, like stuff mm-hmm. like that. There are things that I kind of wonder: are they just like putting the bu- putting all the stuff in buttons and calling it a day, or are they like really rebalancing this thing? Are you going to be able to switch between the two if you want to? Like, it's an interesting question that they have not in any way answered, and it's not it's Nintendo, so they're going to tell us all in a PR tomorrow, or they're just never going to say until the game comes out. <laughs> and I really, it's going to be one of those things where. They might just like this. Might just be the them saying you want buttons. Here's your buttons. Like yeah, right. You wanted it this way. We're we're tried. It doesn't work out as just offering an alternate control scheme. It does require changing a lot more things, and we're not going to change all those things. Yeah. Which is also a probably a bad thing to message on <laughs> when you're selling this game for sixty dollars, under the assumption yeah. that it is changing a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, you like this game, right? You like Skyward Sword? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. A, I don't think it's a great game, or even like the top five, or honestly, top seven or eight Zelda games. <laughs> but I think it's a. It's much better than people give it credit for. It's like sure. one of those things where I think I like it more because everyone hates it more. Sure, like sure, I, sure. I, I like. I enjoyed this thing, and I'm kind of like defending it because everyone seems to think it's the worst thing ever. It's just like it's not the worst thing ever. It's just you know. It's well, just poorly paced and yeah. not well thought out in a lot of places. I mean, think, things it's got going for it. I think it's got a great soundtrack. I think it. Um, I think if you be- if you buy into the greater Zelda universe canon, it is an interesting entry for various reasons, right? So, like, yeah. I, I I have watched a lot of playthroughs of this and speed runs and things like that. I am personally looking forward to trying this control scheme although i think you're right i think it will actually unbalance and make things quite tricky in in a lot of ways um uh especially if you play it on joy con which i'm happy i have a, a pro controller yeah uh for this purpose so 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Looking forward to trying it, I guess. Maybe yeah, I think it's going to, like, depends on what Nintendo does to it, honestly. Like, they remove yeah. some stuff from Wind Waker to make it less tedious. So maybe this yeah. is, like, them choosing this time, like, let's make a few quality of life improvements. It's They did not tell us enough about this game. All they really said was, hey, we're doing this again, and then spent, like, <laughs> minutes on the control scheme when they could have just said, we got buttons now. We're doing just normal, like... Uh, controller controls that would have sufficed fine as opposed to talking about it like they've like cracked the COVID vaccine it's right. <laughs> it was such a weird presentation that and like uh, multiple people came out after that to say like Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are games that are also coming out for Zelda's anniversary this year right so it's a little strange they didn't also talk about that but I'm gonna guess the reason was that looks like a much better package than Skyward Sword does based yes. on that presentation. Yeah. If you're getting those two games for $60 versus just Twilight Princess, you can't talk about them at the same time. No. Otherwise, you're not going to sell any copies of Twilight Princess. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, of yeah. uh, Skyward Sword. Of Skyward Sword, yeah. I, I, I think that that's a super interesting thing. I did see a lot of people come out very confidently saying that, um, yeah, I mean, this sounds like maybe a, a Mario uh 3d all-stars package deal kind of thing with wind waker and twilight princess that might be out later this year um no idea if that's going to be a limited thing like that game like we just don't have any details or even confirmation that that's happening but a lot of folks seem pretty sure that that's happening and yeah it creates a very strange kind of feeling of what's the value prop i don't love doing that with a lot of games i typically am like okay things cost what they cost and that's fine but if that is a package that comes out for $60 by itself and you're getting Wind Waker, which is, I think, a much better Zelda game, it, it is tough to to kind of compare those things. So um, it reminds me of like the, the Simpsons thing, like the Flaming Moe's episode where Homer is like banging at the bar saying you just lost yourself a customer and <laughs> Mo can't hear him because there's too many customers in line. It's like, <laughs> right. There's. I, I probably have like qualms about spending $60 on Skyward Sword and like the value proposition probably not there. But on the other hand, yeah. like so many people are going to. So, so many people are going to do it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Let's step back to Breath of the Wild 2 for one second. I, I think in hindsight, I think it's very, you know, the rollout strategy of game, you know, production news and all that stuff. It's hard to keep stuff under wraps. And so sometimes it makes more sense to just announce something. Do you think it's in hindsight now kind of strange that they announced uh, Breath of the Wild 2 back in June of 2019? It is weird. Like Nintendo has two modes with announcements. They either have like we just began development or it's out in three months. And those two yeah. seem to be the only two things they can really do i think they really regret announcing breath of the wild 2 as early as they did right. but like it was a big thing for that e3 is like oh everyone's like oh the sequel to one of the most critically acclaimed games of all time is like yeah. in the works game and development it's, is it's weird. a direct sequel like, it is too, so right? it's yeah. so it's so it it's like, so well, strange for them yeah it is it's I can see them being like Breath of the Wild has done so well for us. This will get a big pop. This will get like a lot of attention. Yeah. And I think at the time they probably thought it was going to be like a 2020 or 2021 game. And that has clearly gotten like no one <laughs> predicted COVID that would like happen this way. I think that and Bayonetta 3 are two games they should they should like they realized they should have not announced at the time they did. Yeah. Because who knows what can really happen. But I think it's also just a symptom of the way we develop and market games that 
if we're trans or if developers are transparent about when those games are starting development and like what's happening with them and the fact that like it's such a fluid thing, then people get mad because yeah. they want their thing now. Final Fantasy VII remake, f- like despite the fact that <laughs> yes, it did get delayed, that yes, it did probably get announced a little too early. It didn't take that long in the grand scheme of things. Right. Like Final Fantasy sixteen, people are thinking like, oh, that game's going to come in like seven years it could probably drop in a year or two who knows like it doesn't look like they're following the same toxic patterns that led them to the long delays before right but people get like square enix has this bad reputation now for not a lot of good reasons in the most recent years mm-hmm. so i think nintendo's kind of finds themselves in that same place of oh we're back to being the delay company even though it's like well david Bayonetta was announced end of 2017 it's been three four years that's a long time, but it's not an incredibly long time. It's not a ridiculously long game development time. It's just we don't hear about them until they're usually like a year or two away. And I think for Nintendo, it would have been wiser to hold Breath of the Wild back, but at the time, they probably didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know. Um, Yeah, just a quick aside, that the announcement of that game uh, seems like an extra weird dream to me because uh, the the fanby crew and I were we were doing a live stream reaction to it, uh, but I was also in the middle of the worst migraine of my life, and I was like <laughs> driving people to E three that day from our office on Wilshire to the convention center downtown, and so like I I was very excited, but it also felt unreal because I basically got to the a convention center and slept in my car for three hours because of my head hurt so bad. So when I woke up and came to without a migraine, I was like, wait, did I dream that Breath of the Wild 2 was announced? And it still feels that way because it just feels, it feels fake until it's not again. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm still very excited whenever they, they do. That one was a that. weird one. Cause like they showed us the direct beforehand and right. they left the Breath of the Wild 2 part of it out of there. So we like mm-hmm. we had pre-prepared stories like we ended uh, like the story of oh Banjo is coming to Smash Brothers and that was the last thing and I figured that was it the the show is direct I didn't need to prep any more stories so I was sitting there like in my hotel room in like my pajamas eating cereal and <laughs> they then they showed the Breath of the Wild two thing and I'm like ah oh, hell and I had to like rush and grab my laptop and just start yeah. writing this thing up because like. I understand why you want to keep that a secret, but maybe just like give me a heads up so I didn't. Yeah. I was not like des- <laughs> rushing to grab something and knocking over a cereal bowl in the process. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So another another major first party game that was, or I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it's essentially a first party game uh, that was announced was a new Mario Golf, and that is something that like I think that was my game of the direct, uh, just in terms of like. Previous experience and anticipation. I think there are some other games that are worth talking about, but uh, a lot, lot going on in this one. There's a story mode, a lot of different clothes. You can be a me. Um, This, this feels like maybe a tentpole. I don't know. Maybe a make good from a a a Mario tennis that did not set the world on fire. um, You know, when it came out, what eighteen months ago or so. What did Mm -hmm. you think about the new Mario Golf? I think it looks cool. I work so. There was Mario Tennis Aces, which came out on the Switch. But before yeah. that, there was Mario Tennis something that came out on Wii U. And, like, that, the Wii U game was real bad because the Wii yeah. U game just completely lacked content. And then the Switch version was, like, the Switch version felt like the previous release was a beta. Yeah. And I kind of, I'm hoping Camelot realized that was a problem and tried to get it, like, done. Like, the fact that there's story mode and more stuff like that is encouraging. I'm hoping, like, 
this is an actual like big final release and mm-hmm. not just you know we're, we we tried we'll get we'll get it right next time kind of thing because I've been waiting a long time for a new Mario Golf. Yeah. I feel like it's been way too many years for that kind of game. I this is going to be like a standard complaint I think like an evergreen complaint for Camelot sports games, but just give me the RPG mode back like that yeah. Game Boy Color RPG mode that was basically Golden Sun but with golf. Like yeah. just give me that thing back. I understand why it's harder and harder to do as the game fidelity keeps increasing, but like that was so cool. And it feels like we're just, we reached that one zenith of sports game single player mode and like we're never going to get that again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they have to start getting clever with the way, um, and it's not that, it's not that hard, honestly, to me to, to visualize like how they convert that into, uh, kind of a deep RPG, and I think they should do it. I think it's, I don't know, it's time. I The one thing I would say is that, you know, in terms of a multiplayer game, they've added speed golf to this, which, like, yeah. that looks like a riot. I mean, we were all watching on the Discord uh, with, the, with the rest of the community yesterday, and, like, you know, Nikki and I were immediately like, okay, we will play the hell out of that on stream, like, several days a week, because that seems like a, a good, good call. Do you have fond memories of... Uh, Older Mario Golf's playing the multiplayer, and what do you, what do you think about what they showed yesterday? I I used to I remember renting that Mario Golf game several times, and I remember yeah. thinking like, I think I'd be good at actual golf, and like <laughs> that is the weird because I never play like NBA Jam and be like I would be good at basketball, <laughs> sure, but like golf seems like a thing of you know if Mario can do it, I could probably do it too. And I never actually tried or put that into practice, but I think like. I'm I'm excited to play this game and get that same feeling of maybe I should play actual golf because yeah. this doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah, no, I think 2020. I'm I'm gonna say 2021 is the year that we all get some sort of golf game together um, and, and <laughs> test our test our real skills there. Hopefully yeah. the uh, pandemic stops. Um, okay, I think maybe the 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 big surprise for a lot of folks. Uh, was uh, Triangle Strategy, which is a working title for the Octopath Traveler folks' next game, which is a tactical RPG. Uh, they spent a lot of time on this. Uh, what did you yeah. think about it? I think it looks extremely cool. Yeah. Like, Octopath was a game that I think nailed the look very well, but mm-hmm. didn't quite get there in execution because, like, I wanted mm. interaction between the, the characters and all that. Like, I wanted a... I wanted Final Fantasy VI, and what they gave me was like a not Final Fantasy, like more mana-like kind of story and structure. Yeah. But like, I think this one, I th- it looks like they realize what people want is Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, and I'm hoping that like the actual execution on that is that game, like. Mm-hmm. When they announced it was like, oh, the newest game in the two- HD 2D series, which is like apparently a thing, like they've they've established. But if they can if they can really nail this as a Matsuno style uh, tactical RPG that like has a grandiose story and a and like an altogether uh, like everything's wrapped up in one good structure, then I think like oh this this should be great. They put out a demo last night that I have not gotten a chance to check out, but I have listened to some of the music. And at the very least, aesthetically, on graphics and music, they're hitting on all cylinders. It's just like, can they actually tie it up into a full game is my mm-hmm. only concern. Yeah. I, I had almost the exact same complaint about Octopath Traveler, a game that 
had a super unique. <laughs> I'm a weird. I, I'm a weird dissenter. I actually don't think. I don't think Octopath Traveler is actually that pretty of a video game. I for some reason <laughs> it ma- it makes my eyes like unfocus when I look at it. Yes, um, that soft it, filter is doing a lot of heavy lifting. It's doing a lot of heavy lifting. I, I do think this game looks a bit better, although it kind of nails that same vibe. Um, I was very. This seems like Nintendo very much understands that this studio is going to be a, probably a tinpole studio for them going forward. It seems like there's a lot of like budget and anticipation and internal support for this team. And that trailer was long and involved. And, yes. you know, it kind of faked a lot of us out at the very beginning because we thought maybe it was something like a fire emblem. Like they were really putting a lot of effort into the first like few seconds of this thing. And then it, it became very clear that it was an Octopath Traveler uh, successor in some ways. So I, I think a lot of folks are excited about it. I agree that I don't think the gameplay really hit, but this looks to me, at least at the very, very, very first glance um, that they maybe have corrected some of that stuff. Uh, did we, did we get a date on that? I can't remember. Uh, it is 2022 besides okay. the, the demo that came out yesterday. Okay. I, I was also faked out because I saw the scales. I'm like, oh, it's going to be Great Ace Attorney, which is like, sure, from, like right. tw- Taiwan. Then yeah. they show like the third part of the scale. Like, wait, scales don't work like that, do they? Like, can you <laughs> can you just have like one third arm and that's it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> wow. Hey, physics majors at us. I don't think – I, I agree with Imran. I don't think that works, but maybe <laughs> there maybe there is such a thing as like a three, a three-armed scale. Um, then people are going to be like, that's a triangle, idiots. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, so a, a lot of uh, – all, all, that's a good segue. A lot was made about this being a working title, but hey, guess what? So it was Octopath Traveler, and they stuck yes. with it. Uh, what do you think the odds are that they stick with triangle strategy? It'll be so, like it, it was. It was just Project Octopath, right? For like when they first announced that game. Yeah. So like maybe they'll like it's not going to be Triangle Strategy, or it'll be like Triangle Strategy War of the Triangles, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Isosceles, the Isosceles King, or something like that. Yeah. Oh yes, I, yeah. <laughs> it's a cute title. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, baby. Um, maybe, hey, uh, Paul, maybe let's do some little air horns after that. That was really good. Um, okay, we've got questions from the Discord. I open things up to folks. A um, uh, question from Merritt K, our own podcast manager. Um, why did they put a Xenoblade in Smash? Is this game absurdly popular in Japan or something? Uh, this is about the Pyra character from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 being added to Smash yesterday. That was the announcement that they led with. Uh, it's basically another sword person. So I don't know. what it, what it what It's is two sword people there? in one. That's true. Uh- uh, it's not it's certainly popular in Japan. It's absolutely popular everywhere. Like yeah. that game sold two and a half million copies, or maybe a little less than that. Like for a JRPG coming from Nintendo, especially from Monolith Soft, it is one of their best selling JRPGs. So I think they're like they tried to hit on that as much as they could. Of like, if we could establish this to be bigger, then great. And that's why we did get like Xenoblade Chronicles 1 as a remake this past year. That's why they are putting these characters in Smash. And when they first revealed Ultimate, they Sakurai made a point to say that uh, Rex, the, the actual protagonist of the game, just barely missed the 
cutoff for when they could mm. put games or characters into this. So it does make sense that at some point during the DLC, he went, okay, sure. I think maybe Rex is a little too boring because they already have Shulk in here, but yep. like makes sense to maybe put Mira or Pyra and Mira into this game. Yeah. I don't, I, I never played this game. I started last night because Smash has basically forced my hand on this. So <laughs> I I look for when I posted that I like posted a title screen. They're like, yeah, I guess I'm playing this game now. There was a bunch of people like one. They posted the terrible character designs because like yes, they got a bunch a of different of artists to do like different characters. Yeah, yep. So like, there's no Mora in there. There's like other artists and like manga artists and porn artists and stuff like that who've also done this stuff. Uh, but also people were saying, yeah. If you can get past the character designs and get past the voice acting, this is actually a really, really good JRPG. Like, so I'm yeah, excited to I see mean, on what line it falls. It's big. It's big and deep. I'll say that. Like, it's it's a it's a huge scaled game. I think it is good. I do not think it is better than Chronicles One or uh, Xenoblade X. Um, yeah, but it is. Yeah, I mean, if you like big big beefy rpgs that's a that's a pretty good one um that's the thing like i wish i wish it was elma i wish it was elma from chronicles x and like sure i feel like that would have been a better character choice if they had to pick another one from xenoblade but i guess this one probably sells amiibos much better yeah what's the scuttlebutt on x maybe coming to switch is there like any sort of idea that that is coming or is that kind of the the black sheep of the family I feel like they were going to either do Chronicles 1 or X, and they mm-hmm. made their choice. So, like, it, it does seem odd as, like, the one Wii U game, or one of the last few Wii U games that I would really love to see ported to the Switch. But yeah. if it, I'm not, I would not be shocked if it ended up languishing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. What's up with the, uh, this is from Marquis, uh, in our discord. Hello. Um, what's up with the Stubbs zombie remake? Why bring back a random throwback from the 360 era? Uh, I believe it's also getting a PC port. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's the deal with Stubbs zombie? I have no idea. Like, so there, was a, <laughs> there was a PlayStation blog, uh, thing written by Aspire, the people who are reporting this and yeah. quote unquote publishing it. Uh, and the like strap line for the blog post was like the port that nobody asked for. Right. And like, that's weirdly self-aware. Like, cause yep. Stubbs a zombie is like historically significant in that it's a game that is on the Halo engine. So now the Halo engine is on switch and PS4 yeah. beyond yeah. that. Like, it's a historical curiosity. It's a game that is weirdly hard to find for inexpensive prices these days, but I've never heard anyone that's like, yeah, we need more Stubbs the zombie. Like yeah. even at the time, I don't think anyone was like, we need more Stubbs the zombie. So I, this feels like Aspire is going like, well, this is, this is our, you know, if, if it's the rumors are true and they are doing like Kodor, like as a remake or something, then I would not be shocked if they're suddenly um, they suddenly see like the old Xbox GameCube whatever era as their their stomping grounds for bringing old games back. It does seem like a lot of publishers are realizing people have nostalgia for that era of first person tuners, but it also doesn't seem like anyone's actually doing anything. Anyone like I want time splitters back from that. I don't want. 13 or at least I don't want 13 the way they released it and I yeah. don't really want subs a zombie like if you can make a good geist sure I'll check that out but otherwise like you know it's not a whole lot of nostalgia I have for that era of FPSs before they really figured it out 
Yeah. Yeah. Some of some of the weird notes about Stubbs the Zombie, uh, I have no idea how much it costs, but that soundtrack is a banger. They got a <laughs> lot of bands from that era, like Death Cab for Cutie and Cake, uh, to cover a lot of 50s classics from like Buddy Holly and stuff like that. So like I was some my weird business brain is like it costs so much to do that license or whatever to like have those bands create that and cover those things that it's like wow it didn't sell well the first time it won't take us that much money to port it we need to do it again to just see if it like pays the stuff back because that game did I, not sell I, well yeah no it was it it was advertised as a Halo killer and anytime anything is advertised as a, a blank killer it's just yeah. like oh this is gonna just bomb like yeah. this is not gonna go well yeah yeah it's very bizarre um, someone I need someone to do no one lives forever like that is that is the thing I want yeah. like if they can't if they can do Nolf then like do whatever else I don't care just somebody find the rights for that yeah uh, quick footnote on the Aspire thing uh, they were part of that big embracer. Uh, group um, spending spree a few weeks ago. So they they are yes. now kind of folded into that THQ Nordic uh, family. And yeah, I mean, it makes sense that Aspire is pretty busy with this stuff. Although that's a weird, weird project. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the deal with Subs a Zombie. Um, in that same place as in blog post, they misspelled Aspire. So did they that, really? Yes. It, they spelled it wrong and like it spelled it as a spry in the first paragraph, oh which is God. like. That that clearly shows the the level of dedication anyone has to this project. Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, uh, two games I got. Uh, this is from Leo Gobson. Uh, I'll do a quick preface. Two games I got um, announced yesterday were Knockout City, which is a kind of a dodgeball multiplayer game, and Star Wars Hunters, which is mm-hmm. a Zynga joint. Uh, Leo Gobson asks, <laughs> which is going to last longer, uh, the servers for Knockout City or the servers for Star Wars Hunters? I would be shocked if we ever hear about Knockout City again after this. <laughs> so Knockout City is from is from Valon or Valen or some how I don't know how to pronounce it, but they were the ones who made that surprisingly good Mario Kart uh, physical RC to- toy car game. Yeah. So yeah. like it it's interesting to follow that up with this because mm-hmm. the trailer for Knockout City seems much better than the actual like gameplay for Knockout City. Sure. Because the trailer was just like interesting thing of like a call of duty man and like a 2d pixel art character and very clearly lightning from Final Fantasy 13 and an orc and it was like oh that's a cool idea of yeah. having these like disparate art style characters like play dodgeball against each other then they yeah. show it like oh these ca- this is just for the trailer these characters are just playing a game with like second life looking generic 3d characters that that was the strangest thing to me they 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 started with this like orc that looks straight out of uh, world of warcraft um that's like eight feet tall they have like a call of duty man and then like a little pixelated princess and i was like if they put those different art styles in the game that's something and then they switch to the gameplay and it's not that i'm like well, why would you even why would you even show me this this makes yeah, no sense then that is the cardinal sin of video game trailers or marketing. Yeah. Don't advertise your game with something that looks better than your game. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, uh, yeah. Uh, Dylan, uh, our guides editor tweeted right when that aired. Uh, I love wreck it, Ralph. When that, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the old, like comedy central, like, uh, drawn together. Oh that, yeah. Drawn together. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. somebody making good on that concept would be great. 
Yeah. It just does not seem to be this. It just didn't seem to be that. Um, to answer uh, Leo Gobson's question, I'm going to guess Star Wars Hunters just because it's got the license and it's Zynga. Uh, even if it doesn't do well, they'll keep that thing open for a couple of years would be my guess. Yeah. Um, it, it was a very yeah. weird way to make me not excited for something that seems pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Funkical asks, uh, how come brain training never got a U.S. release? Um, legal reasons, as far as I understand it, like there was some, there was some lawsuit Nintendo had, and I wish I, I had looked this up beforehand, but like it was a, something that kept them from releasing it in America or releasing more brain training games in America, or like they didn't want to deal with the possible litigious, uh, consequences from doing that. So it only got its European and Japanese releases. Fongogol, I will look that up for you and do a little footnote on the uh, on the end of this one because, yeah, I didn't look it up either. Um, okay. I guess uh, I, I have one question for you uh, before we wrap mm-hmm. up. Uh, well, actually, actually, what, what else were your kind of highlights and lowlights from yesterday before I ask you my final question? Uh, Splatoon looked really good. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's. Uh, yeah, that was that was a really interesting trailer because they made it. To me, they made it seem like it was going to have a big single-player campaign, and they did a little bit of a switcheroo. Why don't you tell me about that a little bit? So they they showed, like, what was just a desert motif, and they, like, had a character creator just from the beginning. And I don't know how this actual game is going to play out, but that's actually a really inventive character creator. Yeah. Just go, like, choose your hair, body type, and whatever. Like, it, it's a little different from... Splatoon 1 that just went, are you a boy or a girl? So, like, <laughs> it's cool that they're actually, like, going oh just be whatever you want it's fine then they like had the character like get on a bus and like it honestly was very similar to the nomad opening of cyberpunk 2077 of like is this good is this the same thing and then they showed like just they just showed multiplayer stuff really but it did also strike me as going yeah this game is going to have a much more integrated single player campaign which is what they were kind of heading towards with splatoon 2 but didn't really get it was like a head fake towards it this one makes it seem like they're trying to integrate it a little bit better because like if the character creator is an actual like in universe thing then presumably they want you to do something gameplay related before you ever hit multiplayer and i think that's an interesting idea of where to take splatoon next and like the biggest problem they're going to have is justifying why, because but why they're calling this Splatoon three and not like this is not an add-on to Splatoon two or this is not a, a spin-off to Splatoon two or something like right. that. Because Splatoon two sold twelve million copies, they still have Splatfest going for it. The Mario Splatfest is like, I want to say it either happened or is coming soon. Like they, it is it would be difficult for them to just suddenly go like Splatoon three and nothing's really that different, but it does seem like they are trying to interview a little bit more and yeah. it does look a lot better, which yeah. is very surprising to me. Cause it, it to me implies, especially with that 22 2022 release date that they're working on better hardware than we consumer. We commercially have available right now. Mm, yeah. And uh, our good pal, Jeff Keeley uh, suggested this on his Twitter account yesterday, which I, I couldn't help but notice. He was like, Oh, it seems like it's running better, huh? I'm like, Jeff, come on, man. It's like, you know what you're doing. Yeah, that, that's that's very much winking at the camera of like, <laughs> oh, the resolution's real good. I'm like, yeah. Wow, it, it's it weird. is. Yeah, it it's, is. It's weird they doubled the resolution from Splatoon 2. <laughs> Super weird. Um, 
Uh, all right, I'm looking down at the list of things before we uh, kind of wrap. I think uh, a Famicom De- Detective Club was a really interesting duo of things, uh, yeah. like a uh, kind of a uh, almost a visual novel detective story. What's your read on that? I I played a very badly translated ROM of the NES game when I was a kid. And I was yeah. like, this seems cool. I can't play this because this is machine translated and it is nonsense. So I'm looking, <laughs> one, this also looks, I really love the visual style of the Switch remake. Like, yeah, it, I know I there's not, not a whole lot you can really do with visual novels and like Ace Attorney style games, but like, it is cool that the, the character models look like they animate really well. They have a nice aesthetic. I am excited to play this game. I think it's it's interesting they're calling it Famicom Detective Club in America. Like I figured they would have changed the name for here, but they're kind of just leaning into the fact like, yeah, this is part of Nintendo history that just people never got a chance to see back in the NES days. So I am eager to play, I'm going to say those games because they, they presented them as two different games, but I assume they they're do. bundling them together. I'm excited to play that package or whatever when it eventually comes out here. Yeah. Uh, well, someone suggested it's going to be like Pokemon. You have to collect the mur- all the murderers from both versions uh, <laughs> to get the whole experience. So, um, I, yes. <laughs> uh, I so uh, Outer Wilds coming to Switch. Um, my immediate read on that is that game is going to play like shit on Switch. But what do you think? What do you think is gonna? What What do you think they're gonna do with it? It looked like it was going to play like shit on Switch, so we'll see. Like, I would. What I'm afraid of is what's like. It'll be like you're, you go into space and there's like a loading circle or whatever. Like, we're currently buffering space, right. and then you land on a planet and there's like another like minute loading or whatever as you're currently, yeah, landing on a planet. And like, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Like, it's cool more people get to play the game, but boy, it sounds. I wish, I wish people who play that game get to play it on like. PC or like one of the stronger consoles because yeah. it feels like it that is where you really do want to play that game. Like yeah. it is a it is an affecting experience to go into space with no loads or whatever and land on yep. a planet with and this is me just assuming maybe they've got like a really good, you know, yeah handle on the hardware and it's not that bad. But they, they could I, be they could be low resing everything to a degree where everything loads, but like it had issues on Xbox One. Like vanilla Xbox yeah. One, it didn't load super it didn't run super well. So yeah, we'll we'll have to see. That is one of my favorite games of the past five years. I would say if you are someone that owns a PC but does not do a lot of PC gaming uh, and just puts everything on Switch, I would recommend trying to play this game on PC before Switch. Um, yeah, that also like I mean I've I didn't play it on I played it on keyboard and mouse. It was complicated on keyboard and mouse. I've never played it on a controller. I've also never played it on like Joy Cons. I can't imagine it's great on Joy Cons. I can't imagine that's going to be fun on Joy Cons. Yeah. Um, a neon white looks interesting. That is from the uh, creator of Donut County, Ben Esposito. Um, uh, he's got a team that that is working on neon white. It looked to me like a a deck building first person shooter kind. Of. Yeah, I it was interesting. Like. I saw it aesthetically like, oh, this game looks really cool. And like they got, I think it was Steve Bloom as like the main character. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I could, I could be down for being like an assassin from heaven that like kills demons. Then I showed the gameplay and I'm like, I don't understand what I'm looking at. I don't understand it either. Yeah. (laughs) Like it seems real interesting. It's just not, I don't, 
I need an explainer. Like, you need to give me a Smash Brothers style, like Sakurai sits there and explains this game to me. Yeah. Because it does seem like, as you described, a deck-building first-person melee action game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it. You're right. It did need that two- to three-minute treatment of, like, here's how you play this game, because it, 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 it looked a little bit indecipherable once it was in motion. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that really wraps most of the, the big hits. Was there anything you saw that you were surprised by um, that we haven't talked about? Uh, World's End Club sounds cool. Mm. Like, they showed the art for that game about a year or two ago as, mm-hmm. like, Uchikoshi, who's like the Virtue's Last Reward writer, director, all that, like his last project with uh, Katakawa. And I don't know. I like that they immediately inverted the death game thing of like, oh, these kids are in a death game. And then like two seconds later, it was like, also the death game was canceled. Then they returned to the world and the world was just bad. So I'm, it does seem like a, uh, they're kind of flipping the Danganronpa Virtue's Last Reward Mm -hmm. formula on its head. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Art style doesn't really do it for me, but I'm interested to actually play that game. It turns out it's coming out in like two months, which is very fast. <laughs> that is super soon. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this this direct was uh, pre-packed. I agree that it was kind of strange, but there were a lot of things announced. Um, I guess my final question to you is, which comes out first? Metroid Prime 4 or Breath of the Wild 2? Breath of the Wild 2, because we've okay. actually seen that game. Okay. I would... I would be at this point not shocked, but pleasantly surprised if Metroid Prime Four came out before the end of next year. Okay. Yeah, I would too. I mean, yeah, I think Retro keeps like adding listings to their LinkedIn of people that are still working on this, which makes me feel, <laughs> which makes me feel very scared and sad. Uh, but we you know, we listen. Whatever, good things take time. <laughs> I'll just keep crying. Yeah, video games like. Them being very transparent of like, oh, we're rebooting development is a blessing and a curse because at least we know. But like it also means that (laughs) that game is going to take another couple of years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, All right, Imran, uh, where can we find you on the Internet? You can find me at here at fanbyte.com and also (laughs) on Twitter at Imran Z-O-M-G. (laughs) <laughs> and I will not clown on your uh, screen name like Natalie did on this week's episode of Nightmare. The confidence in which she immediately just called my ass out. I just can't believe her. Like, just the audacity. <laughs> just every single week, she she's just like, I'm I'm just going to express my comfort level here in a new and exciting and rude way. And it's just very, very funny to me. Um, all right. I'm so happy to have you here at Fanbyte. And yes, you can find Imran's stuff uh, all over our website now because he's running the news team. So that's super exciting. Uh, and yeah, uh, Imran, you know, I'll probably talk to you in about, I don't know, half an hour or something. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. All right, bye. All right, see ya. Hey, just a quick note from our interview. I put Imran on the spot with that brain training question. Sorry about that. Uh, he, of course, found the full info right away after our chat. The reason Dr. Kawashima's brain training for Nintendo Switch hasn't received a U.S. release, despite being out in Europe, Australia, and Japan, likely has to do with false advertising laws in the United States. The Federal Trade Commission slapped Lumosity, the maker of games, claiming they can improve brain function with a $50 million judgment regarding the apparent unfounded claims of its games. Uh, though the company settled for $2 million, the precedent seems to be why a game like Brain Training for Switch has not made its way stateside yet.
BlizzCon, Blizzard's yearly celebration of all things Blizzard, shifted to an online model this year with BlizzCon Line to make up for the canceled show in Anaheim late last year. Friday afternoon, day one festivities took place and several major announcements were made. It should be no surprise that the most recent expansion for World of Warcraft Shadowlands is getting a major content patch this year. It's called Chains of Dominion and it's adding a slew of new gear, pets, and mounts, of course. It's also adding a mega dungeon called Tazavish. The Veiled Market. You and your party can tackle eight bosses on your way to completing a heist. Also coming is a new raid called the Sanctum of Domination, which is a massive 10-boss raid for you and your party. Players will uncover more secrets from the overarching narrative as well, of course. If you're still spending your time in the halcyon days of 2007, I have great news for you. World of Warcraft Classic is officially getting a reconstructed version of the game's first expansion, The Burning Crusade. Experience new areas introduced to the game 14 years years ago plays the blood elves or draenei races for the very first time all that good stuff the burning crusade expansion will become available at no additional cost to wow classic subscribers which is pretty cool current classic uh, servers will add burning crusade content later this year but players will also have the option of taking their vanilla wow classic character to a new set of servers that doesn't add burning crusade content yet if that is your jam if wow is not quite your speed uh how about something a little warmer Covered in flames of internal damnation, perhaps. Diablo 2, the hack and slash masterpiece, is getting a remaster from Vicarious Visions called Diablo 2 Re- Resurrected, which updates the graphics of the 21-year-old game and adds cross-progression to the game, which matters a whole lot because it's coming out for PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch later this year. Oh, man, that game on Nintendo Switch, that's a problem for me. Uh, speaking of Diablo, we also saw the new Rogue class from Diablo 4 showcased in a new teaser trailer. The trailer had a thing for ears. It was kind of weird. Hearthstone is getting new content this year, including a classic mode. I guess this is just kind of going to be a pattern for Blizzard, huh? Overwatch 2 did not actually make an appearance during the main show, which uh, freaked a bunch of people out, but was shown off in a lengthy faux Zoom call between team members, including Jeff Kaplan after the main show. We saw quite a bit from this game, actually. We saw a few new maps like Rome and New York. Uh, We saw how progression works in the PvE mode and also some PvE gameplay in action with different objectives and riffs on familiar hero abilities. We saw Soldier 76 with a beard. I repeat, Soldier 76 has a beard now. You can check out a review of his beard from our own Kenneth Shepard over at fanbuy.com right now. Rounding out the BlizzCon line news is the existence of Blizzard Arcade Collection, a PC and console trio of 90s Blizzard games like Lost Vikings 1, Rock and Roll Racing, and Blackthorn. Uh, This news, and the WoW news specifically, was actually leaked on Thursday ahead of the actual press conference. I saw some PR folks get a little bit out of shape that so many details were being leaked ahead of this weekend's festivities, and I get it. It's your job to protect the news cycle of your clients. Still, the leaks distracted from the news on Thursday that the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund bought $1.4 billion in shares of Activision Blizzard. This fund is under the direction of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman al Abdulaziz Al-Saad, who holds a keen interest in Western video game development as well as the biggest professional wrestling organization in the world, WWE. In addition to shares in Activision Blizzard, the fund also purchased $1.07 billion in shares of Electronic Arts and $825 million 
dollars of shares in Take-Two Interactive. The fund's overall U.S. equity exposure climbed to $12.8 billion with these purchases. Leaders in watchdog groups across the world have frequently criticized and condemned the Crown Prince for human rights violations and extrajudicial murders of journalists like Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, to be clear, this wasn't a solicited purchase from these companies that are on the free market, baby. Uh, and these purchases don't give the fund any sort of major uh, majority ownership over these companies. But yeah, this probably wasn't as big of a story this week because of these other leaks. But now you know. And knowledge is power. Let's do a quick roundup to end the show, shall we? While Team Bluebird, creators of the medium, have hinted that they're working on a Silent Hill game, VGC has reported that a prominent Japanese studio is working on a reboot instead. Konami still owns and controls the rights to this franchise, and even though they've ruined their credibility with most of the gaming public, there's still a lot of interest in this series, even without Hideo Kojima's involvement. Some have speculated that there are actually two Silent Hill games in development, one from Bluebird and one from this mysterious Japanese developer we shall see. Apple subpoenaed Valve this week for comprehensive information involving Steam and its sales data. While Valve complied with the request to an extent, Apple requested more information and Valve has reportedly politely declined. This subpoena is part of the ongoing legal battle between Apple and Epic, which began raging last year in what continues to be one of the silliest no-winner-in-sight legal battles in history. Finally, Sony not content to let Nintendo be the only major hardware manufacturer in the game space with widespread controller issues, has had a lawsuit filed against the company in Virginia, alleging joystick drift has become a problem already for its DualSense controller on PlayStation 5. The law firm representing the plaintiff is seeking more clients in order to file a class action lawsuit down the line. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Wild week. Thank you so much to Imran Khan for hanging out and also, I don't know, contributing just a whole lot to our news section. Might have to, you know, invite that guy back on the show and I don't know, maybe involve him a lot in uh, what I'm doing here. Hey, he works here now. That's awesome. If you want to check out all of our podcasts, you can do so over at fanby.com slash podcasts or podcastnet.work. Please watch Merit Souls, our Monday, Wednesday, Friday stream where Merit K plays through Dark Souls. She's currently a ways through Dark Souls 2 with the unconquerable Farfield. You can watch that over at twitch.tv slash fanbyte. I hope you all have a good one. And until next time, you're welcome.